All right. So over these past couple of weeks, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. We've been unwrapping spiritual gifts. Uh, Last week, I shared a very important truth about spiritual gifts that I want to start off with tonight. And that is simply this. Only born-again believers possess spiritual gifts that are operated through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Early on in this series, we talked about the difference between our natural abilities, our natural gifts, and our spiritual gifts. God gifts us all naturally. At birth, we are born with some sort of natural gift or gifts. There are things that, that we can do and we can do well with our minds and with our bodies, okay? But those natural gifts are operated by our own human will and our own human inclination. Spiritual gifts, on the other hand, spiritual gifts only come to those who have repented of their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. They've been filled by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are operated by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the only way you can use the spiritual gift or gifts that God gives you is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you can do in your own will and in your own inclination. And so as Christ followers, our spiritual gifts are given to us so that we can glorify God. We can bring Him praise through the indwelling, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But also our spiritual gifts are to be shared with others. Spiritual gifts. God doesn't give you a spiritual gift so that you can just run off with it and and hog it for yourself. God gives you a spiritual gift so that you can share it with others. And I believe that when it comes to the body of Christ, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read some of that tonight, in Ephesians chapter 4, that the purpose of our spiritual gifts in the body is for equipping. Paul says God gives you a spiritual gift so that you can equip the body, so that you can grow the body so that the body can be united and the body can mature together. When it comes to those who are lost, I believe God gives us spiritual gifts so that we can have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with them. And so regardless of who the audience is, when it comes to spiritual gifts, it is to glorify God and it is to share with others. When it comes to the body of Christ, it's about equipping, growing unity and maturity when it comes to the lost, when it comes to unbelievers. It's about getting them to Jesus and telling them about Jesus. So that's the purpose of our spiritual gifts. Now, a lot of people ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, where does it talk about spiritual gifts? Well, tonight I'm going to share some passages of Scripture, okay? Uh, There are several places in the Bible where we can find lists of spiritual gifts, But I want to read this to you. Dr. David Jeremiah says something very important about lists of spiritual gifts. Listen to what David Jeremiah says. He says, since none of the list of spiritual gifts is identical, many believe that there is no set finite number of spiritual gifts. The word gift is a rendering of the Greek word charisma, which has its root in charis, which means grace. Therefore, Any spiritual gift is really a grace gift bestowed to us by the God of grace. So I I love what Dr. David Jeremiah tells us. He tells us, yes, 
There are some lists of spiritual gifts in the Bible, but because these lists are not identical, then we shouldn't try to limit the number of spiritual gifts. God can gift us in so many ways, and we should never box him in, right? Or make a list and say, this is it, okay? It's almost impossible to do that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these lists, we're going to look at these passages, but we're not going to limit God and what he can give us and what God can do to us and through us as his children when it comes to spiritual gifts. Now, one of the first places I like to start, and I've already shared, listen, over the next few weeks, I'm really going to be reading a lot of the same passages, okay? And one of my favorite passages when it comes to spiritual gifting is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Listen to what Peter says about spiritual gifts. He says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, God gives you gifts, you're a steward of that gift. And that gift, he gives different gifts to different people, okay? Various gifts. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So I I love starting here. When you talk about spiritual gifts, in my opinion, this is a good starting point with spiritual gifts because Paul reminds us that we are stewards of God's grace. That's who you are. That's who I am in Christ. We are stewards of God's grace. That means we didn't earn what we've been given, and we certainly don't deserve what we've been given. What it means is that God has given us a gift, and He wants us to manage this precious gift or these gifts from God. He wants us to do it for His glory, and He wants us to do it for others' benefits, right? And so the gifts that God gives us, the spiritual gifts that He gives us, it is for God's glory, and it is for the benefit of others, not self. It should never be about self. It's always about God, and it's always about helping others. And what I love about this passage of Scripture is that Paul divides spiritual gifts into two categories. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Peter. Peter divides spiritual gifts into two categories. The first one would be called the speaking gifts. He said, if anyone speaks, let them speak the very word of God. And then he says the serving gifts. If anyone serves, let that person serve with the strength that God gives. Uh, I love Pastor Dan Darling. Uh, He's got an incredible book called Spiritual Gifts. And in his book, this is what he says. He says, just because we label some gifts as serving in contrast to the speaking gifts does not mean that those with speaking gifts are not serving the body. In fact, they are. And that those who are serving with gifts never speak. In fact, they do. So just because we divide these groups into serving and speaking, and you might say, well, you know, I I only have a serving gift, so I never have to talk. That's not what the Bible shows us and teaches us, okay? Just because God gives you a serving gift 
God can still use your voice. He can still use your tongue. He can still use your words, and He will, in fact, do that. And just because you have a speaking gift doesn't mean that you can't roll your sleeves up, right, and do some dirty work from time to time, right? And so that's what Pastor Dan Darling says. He says, don't hide behind a list or hide behind a split of the types of gifts because, in fact, if you have a serving gift, God's going to keep, He's going to give you the ability to talk when you need to. And if you have a speaking gift, God's going to give you the ability and the strength to serve when that time comes if He wants you to and needs you to. So like I said earlier, some Christians have one spiritual gift. Some Christians have multiple spiritual gifts. But regardless of how God has gifted us, any and all gifts glorify God and they serve others. Please don't forget that. Any spiritual gift you have, anything that God gives you, right, from a spiritual standpoint, it is always about His glory and not you. And it is always about serving other people and not yourself. God doesn't give you a spiritual gift so you can bow your chest up and say, hey, look at me. Or hey, look at my title. Or hey, look at how many people follow me on Instagram. Right? God doesn't give you a spiritual gift to make much of yourself. He gives you a spiritual gift to make much of Jesus. And when God gives you a spiritual gift and you make it about self, He can take that gift away just like that. He can take any power and any authority away when you abuse it. And I've seen that. I've seen that happen. So I love Dr. Tony Evans. <laughs> Dr. Tony Evans has a way of saying things sometimes that I just wish I was given that gift, okay? But I'm just going to quote him because he does such a good job of it. Dr. Tony Evans says, We are not self-service stations. God intends His church to be a full-service station with each member providing for the well-being of others. And since we are receptors of God's grace, we also should be conduits of God's grace. I love that. Uh, Some of you might be too young, but how many of you remember the full-service gas stations? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were cool, weren't they? Man, you pull up, you didn't have to get out of your car. You didn't have to worry about smelling like gas when you got to work. Yeah. I remember those. Those are few and far between, right? Everybody's like, please bring the please bring the full-service gas stations back again. Now, let's not get lazy, okay? Let's not get lazy. But I love that. Dr. Tony Evans reminds us as a church, as a church, it should never be about us. It should never be about self-service. We should always be outward-focused. We should always think about how can we serve others. We are a full-service station. That's the way God created us. And I love what he says. He says, since we are receptors of God's grace, we should also be conduits of God's grace. In other words, if we can receive God's grace, God doesn't just give us grace so that we can feel good about who we are. God gives us grace so that we can understand who we are and then help others understand who they are. We're vessels of God's grace, conduits, if you will, of God's grace. So what I want to do tonight... I want to go through several passages. Now, it's going to be hard for you to to keep up with me, but the scriptures are on the screen, and they're on your handout. I'm going to read through the lists, okay, the lists of spiritual gifts 
Now tonight we're going to focus on the serving gifts, but I'm just going to read these passages, one right after the other, and then we're going to kind of digest them when it comes to the serving gifts. So I'm going to start with Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Paul says this, We have different gifts according to the grace. There it is, God's grace. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So you can see the gifts of the Spirit right here. Prophesying, teaching, serving, encouraging, giving, uh, leading, and mercy. Those are gifts, spiritual gifts that Paul identifies in Romans chapter 12. Then we go to 1 Corinthians, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, Paul gives us more spiritual gifts. Listen to what he says beginning in verse 7. He says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. That's a gift. To another the message of knowledge. That is a gift. By means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous power, the gift of miracles. To another, prophecy. That one is repeated. To another, distinguishing between spirits. That's the gift of discernment. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So that's important. He gives us another list of spiritual gifts, but He also makes sure that we understand that God gives the gifts to the people that He wants them to have. Okay? So it's not like I just said... Hey, God, uh, give, me a, give me a good dose of that preaching gift. And uh, while you edit, give me a scoop of mercy on the side. That's not how it works, okay? God gives the gifts as He sees fit. He gives us the gifts. That's why they're called gifts, right? And, and so Paul makes that very clear. He also says in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, And God has placed in the church... First of all, and now he's talking about spiritual gifts, but he's also talking about positions of using those spiritual gifts. He says God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. So again, he gives us another list, right? Another list. And again, you can see some overlapping in these lists, but... Not very much. And then we get to Ephesians chapter 4, which I read this passage last week, but I'll read it again. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Paul says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Do you see that? Service. Serving others. So that the body of Christ 
may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure the fullness of Christ. So again, I've shared with you just several passages, you know, three, four passages where Paul specifically mentions spiritual gifts, okay? So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look back at what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4. He said, if your gift is serve, then serve with the strength God gives you. He says, if your gift is speaking, then speak as though one who is speaking the very word of God. Peter said, hey, if you have a serving gift, serve. If you have a speaking gift, speak. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically divide these gifts, these spiritual gifts, into one of two things, a serving gift and a speaking gift. So if you want the speaking gifts, come next Sunday night, okay? Come next Sunday night. That's just my way of getting you back, right? So I'm going to go over the serving gifts tonight, okay? So let's look at them. Number one, the serving gifts. Let's start with the gift of giving, the gift of giving. We see that in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, right? And here's the thing. Every believer should be a giver. Every believer should be a giver. Every one of us should be givers just as God is a giver. But the Bible shows us, and Paul mentioned it right there specifically in Romans 12, 8, that the Holy Spirit gifts some believers with the primary gift of giving. And I want to make sure you understand, the gift of giving is not always about the largest sums of money. And I'm going to tell you something else. It's not always just about money. You can give a lot of things. And you can give what God lays on your heart and gives you to give. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 21, there was a widow. Do you remember what she gave? She gave two very small copper coins. That's what the Bible says. Two very small copper coins. The widow's might is what some versions say. And this is what Jesus said about her gift. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All the others gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in all she had to live on. So there is a gift, a spiritual gift of giving. God, I'm I'm telling you, I believe as Christ followers, we all should be givers. But there are some that the Holy Spirit, He gifts you, right? He gifts you with an overwhelming, an overwhelming desire and capacity to give. I just believe that. That is a spiritual gift. Not only that, number two, and I put these two together, I would say they really, they really can be viewed separately, but they're, they're, they're closely related, and for time's sake, it's just easier for me to talk about them both. And that is the gift of leading and the gift of administering. So leadership and administration. Romans 12.8 talks about leading. 1 Corinthians 12.28 talks about leading, and, and I'm going to go over the Greek word It'll make a little more sense to you. We know that God created us all with leadership capacity. Remember, we just talked about that in our leadership series. Every one of us, God created us with some sort of leadership capacity. Some of us will have titles, 
right? We'll be given titles of leadership. Some of us, it'll just be opportunities of leadership. And I'm not going to try to rehash that whole session again. But also what we see in the Bible is that the Holy Spirit gifts some with leadership and administration. As a matter of fact, I love this. Uh, Pastor Dan Darling, who I've mentioned several times in his book, he says leadership usually involves hard decisions and the willingness to take care of things that others would rather avoid. <laughs> leadership is hard. Administration is hard. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, the Greek word kybernesis, okay? That's the Greek word that is used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Kybernesis means to administer or to govern. In Romans 12, Paul uses another word, and that word, and I hope I don't butcher it, but I'm probably going to because I'm from Louisiana. That word is proistomanios, okay? Proistomanios. I hope I did it right. But I can tell you what that Greek word means. It means to lead or to rule. To lead or to rule. To have authority. Now, don't, don't take this the wrong way. Because we really need to look at that gift of leadership, that gift of ruling, that gift of leading. We need to take that, that gift in light of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20. Because if you'll remember, in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus told his disciples, do you see those guys over there? Those guys over there, they use their power and authority to lord it over people. They want people to know that they're in charge and they want people to serve them. He said, do not be like that. He said, I've given you power and authority, but my power and authority is to serve others. You are to be their slave. You are to meet their needs, not them meet yours. And so when we talk about the gift of leadership and the gift of administration, again, in view of the gospel and in view of Jesus, there's no way we should ever take that gift and abuse it. Now, is it possible? Absolutely, because we got some corrupt hearts. But when it comes to God's Word, if you've been gifted with the gift of leadership, with the gift of administration, it's always about serving others with it. It's always about meeting other people's needs. It's not about bowing up and making yourself look good or trying to get people to clap for you. It's about, hey, how can I serve you? What can I do for you? Because in that same passage, what did Jesus say? He said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Uh, Again, Pastor Dan Darling says this. He says, the dominant model throughout the Gospels for leadership is shepherding. I love that word. He says the dominant model throughout the Gospels for leadership is shepherding. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd takes care of his sheep. He does whatever he has to do to provide for his sheep, to protect his sheep, to meet their needs. It's always about taking care of the sheep. And so I love what he said. You know, that's what... Leadership and administration is about. It's about shepherding, being a shepherd. Obviously, you know, when you you look at that type of gift and you look at the description of that gift, it's very easy to understand that those who are called to be preachers, those who are called to be pastors, they're probably going to have this gift. If they don't, they need to have someone on their staff, (laughs) right? They need to be partnered with someone on staff who has this gift, 
or it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. So we got the gifts of giving. We've got the gifts of leadership. We've got the gifts of administration. We also, thirdly, have the gift of mercy. Woo! Man, if there's something the church can't have enough of, it's that. Mercy, Romans 12, 8. And again, I believe every Christ follower, I believe every born-again Christian has the opportunity to be a vessel of mercy. Why? Because God gives us mercy. If God gives us mercy, we ought to be a conduit of that mercy. But as we see, this is a specific gift that the Holy Spirit blesses some believers with, right? That gift of offering mercy in great times of need. Uh, Again, my favorite pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah, this is so good. Listen to what he says. He says, the gift of mercy is the Spirit-given ability to extend love and compassion toward the suffering members of the body, but... It is also reaching out to the outcasts, those whom everyone else ignores. Isn't that awesome? The gift of mercy. It's to extend compassion and love, yes, to your church family, yes, to the body of Christ, but also it's to extend compassion and love to those who everybody else just wants to walk away from. There's a passage of Scripture in the Bible. We call it the Good Samaritan, right? All right? So, again, it's looking at those, right, who maybe we, we don't like the smell. Maybe we don't like the words. Maybe we don't like the clothes. Maybe we don't like the this or that about them. Those who have the gift of mercy, We'll see people the way Jesus sees them. And we'll love them right where they are. Love them right where they are. The prodigal son, when did the daddy run to him and throw his arms around him? After he took a bath? Nope. He ran out and met him before he even got to the house. And he threw his arms around him and loved him. He was ready to throw a party for him, right? And he didn't wait until he took a bath and got this pig stink off of him. No, he kissed him. And, and did it right there. That's the gift of mercy. And that's why I'm saying, hey, church, <laughs> that's an incredible gift. And that's one we got we got to be known for, the gift of mercy. Fourth, the gift of faith. And you're going, wait a minute. Is that a spiritual gift? Well, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It's listed with all the other gifts. So, yeah, it's a spiritual gift. Hebrews 11, chapter 6 tells us that without faith, it is impossible to do what? Please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a saved child of God, you have faith. And you should be growing in your faith. However, the Spirit of God gives some believers an incredible ability to see what others can't see. To even hear Sometimes what others can't hear. Pastor Dan Darling says in his book, Spiritual Gifts, the gift of faith is a spiritual vision such as providing for a desperate need when no one else knows or opening the doors of ministry or looking into a person's life and seeing hope of gospel transformation when nobody else does. Mm. 
the gift of faith. That's a real gift. That's a spiritual gift, okay? And I'm telling you, that's something right there that blew me away. The gift of seeing hope of gospel transformation in the life of someone before anybody else does. You know, I have, I've been given an incredible blessing by God to preach at a place and to a people. It's called Celebrate Recovery. And I'm just telling you, I'm preaching there this Thursday night, as a matter of fact. And uh, I have been introduced to people that come up to me and they tell me not just what drugs and alcohol, listen, it's all kinds of stuff. I know when we think Celebrate Recovery, we're thinking, oh, about drug addicts, alcoholics. But I'm going to tell you, it's people who have been broken by sin. People who have been overwhelmed by sin, right? And, and when I get to see them and hear them and listen to them, uh, it is incredible. And, and, and I really believe that, that God has given me a gift of looking into them and seeing what they can't see themselves. And even knowing what they can't know right now, but they might get the chance, right? The gift of faith is seeing someone and seeing what God sees and making sure they hear that. Because they're going to hear everything else, right? They're going to hear everything else in this world about who they are and whose they are and why they are. The gift of faith, right, is someone who can look at someone, listen to them, look into their eyes and see what is unseen and know what is unknown. That's a gift. That's a Holy Spirit gift. And so then we come to another, number five here, and I really paired these two together. They're really separate gifts because we see that in Scripture, but they are uh, related, if you will. So I'm going to cover them together. And that is the gifts of healing and the gifts of miracles. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. We also see it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. Now I know that when we start talking about the gift of healing and we start talking about the gift of miracle, it can make some people nervous. And one of the reasons it makes us nervous is because we see the abuse of it on television, right? We see the abuse of it. We see people abusing this gift for financial gain and prosperity and they want to be known as the one who can touch and heal and the one who can speak and a miracle happen. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. Again, Dr. Tony Evans in his commentary says, a spiritual gift is God-given and it is spirit-empowered. It is the ability to serve God in ways that benefits others. We must never use our spiritual gift for selfish ends. And that's what happens, right? When a spiritual gift is abused, when a spiritual gift is used for self-gratification and for self-glory, it causes doubt and it causes confusion in others. And I believe the gifts of healing and miracles has done that for so many people, right? Because we, we see these guys on television and they pop these people in the forehead and they fall out on the floor, right? And... and and listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to judge or condemn. I'm just saying we know that a lot of that has been shown as false. It's fake, right? We know that, okay? But that shouldn't discredit those who have been given the gift because here's the thing. If it's in the list of spiritual gifts, then it is real. It is a real gift, okay? Now, theologians agree 
Um, most of them that I've read, they agree that in the New Testament, it seems that the apostles saw a special manifestation of the gift of healing and the gift of miracles. Why? Because it was an accurate testimony. It testified to the power of God and it pointed unbelievers to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I've been quoting him all night. I'm going to quote him again. Pastor Dan Darling, he says, On one hand, it seems that the kinds of supernatural miracles and healings that we see in the New Testament are less common today. But on the other hand, we should not discount God's desire to act in supernatural ways through His people with the gifts of healing and miracles. God does not change. I love that. God does not change. God is always the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if God could perform miracles and healings through His people that He spiritually gifted in the Bible, I believe God can continue to spiritually gift His people to perform miracles and healings today. I believe it. Now, do I believe people can abuse it? Absolutely. But people can abuse the gift of preaching too. Yeah, preachers can abuse that all day. Put my name on the sign. Yeah, make sure I get recognized. Make sure you applaud me and my efforts. You can abuse any gift that God gives you, but like I said earlier, uh, good luck with that. You might enjoy it for five minutes. You might enjoy it for five weeks. You might enjoy it for five years. But one day you're going to have to bend your knee and you're going to have to answer to God. Don't worry about what I can do to you, right? You need to be more concerned about what God can say and do. And so I believe God is still healing people today. I believe God is still performing miracles today. Um, God, God is performing miracles in my life. I'm just telling you. In, in the last few weeks, Marty can adjust, she can testify. Like, this ain't me just up here making something up. We've had a couple of miracles in our own lives in the last couple of weeks that nobody else could have known about. But God used someone in our lives, did something to them or through them that they had no idea what we needed. I, I, I believe it. I'm a believer. Every born-again believer, and you've heard me say this, every born-again believer, if you're in this room and you have repented of your sin, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift or you have spiritual gifts. Now, do I believe that everybody in this room knows what their spiritual gift is? Probably not. The room is too full. You're probably sitting there going, well, I don't really know what mine is. Here's the thing. That is okay. Please don't beat yourself up or think that there's something wrong with you because you don't know what your spiritual gift is, okay? But I do want you to hear this. You have a spiritual gift if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit of God baptizes you and fills you, you are gifted. Somehow, some way, you're gifted. Again, some may only receive one gift. Some may receive multiple gifts. Here's the key, right? Here's the key. We must stay humble with our gifts. We must stay humble and realize that our spiritual gifting is not about status and it's not about position. We don't go around saying, oh, well, I got the spiritual gift of. 
I want to make sure you know that. Please tell all your friends that I've got the spiritual gift of. <laughs> That's not what spiritual gifting's about. You should know it, and here's what you should do. You should exercise it. You should do whatever God has gifted you to do, but you should do it with humility. You should do it humbly, and you should point to God, and you should just serve others with it. We may have different gifts. You and I may not be gifted the same, but understand this, the one who gifted me and the one who gifted you is the same. Paul said that, didn't he? Right? The same Spirit gifted you and gifted me. That's where unity comes in. That's where oneness of purpose comes in. And again, what is the purpose? We've already answered this, but in case you weren't here, what is the purpose of any and all spiritual gifts? It's to glorify God and to serve others. That's it. That's pretty awesome. Y'all are listening. That's pretty good. Y'all impressed me. Dr. Tony Evans, let me give you another, another quote here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with two quotes. And I know I've been quoting a lot, but it's because I've been reading a lot and I've been studying a lot, and there's so much I want to give you. But when somebody else says it perfectly, why would I try to change it? Dr. Tony Evans says this, We know that every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. If you are not sure what yours is, start ministering to others because God only hits a moving target. Now, I'm going to give you another Tony Evans quote here in just a minute. But if you're wondering what your spiritual gift is, if you have not yet really found out and understand what your spiritual gift is, that does not mean to sit back and just watch what's going on at the church. Tony Evans says, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, then roll your sleeves up and start serving people. Minister to people. Talk to them. Because God only hits a moving target. Be faithful in the small things, and God will bless you with the big things. Here's what else Tony Evans says, and this is so good. When it comes to spiritual gifting, no one obtains a spiritual monopoly. Don't you love that? Like, what's the goal of the game in Monopoly? To win what? To win all the, all the places, right? right? And to win them all, right? To just bankrupt everybody and have them all. Tony Evans says, when it comes to spiritual gifting, no one obtains a spiritual monopoly. In other words, nobody in here is going to have every gift. Don't even act like you got every gift because it ain't possible. Rather, within the church, we are dependent upon one another for the exercise of all these different gifts. So here's the thing, right? Brother Jeff is the pastor. He is the under-shepherd of the church. You say, well, why, is he, why are you the under-shepherd? Because Jesus Christ is the shepherd. I'm the under-shepherd. That's a title that God has given me, a position of leadership that God has given me. But here's the thing. I ain't got all the spiritual gifts. So guess what? The body can't be what the body's supposed to be if you just rely on Brother Jeff's spiritual gifts. Not possible. You know what? Brother Jeff is dependent upon you and you and you back there and you over there. Oh, yeah. Brother Jeff needs you to exercise your spiritual gift because he ain't got it. 
There are times when you need Brother Jeff to exercise his spiritual gift or gifts. Why? Because you ain't got it. That, that's, that's the goal, right? We are dependent upon one another for the exercise of all these different gifts. Another pastor that I love, and he does a lot of writing for the Holman Christian Bible and for the Holman Christian Bible uh, Dictionary. His name is Chad Brand. Listen to what Chad Brand says in the Holman Bible Dictionary. He says, churches will never achieve, listen to this, they will never achieve the level of maturity that Christ means for them to have until all members are actively, that's a huge word, isn't it? Actively demonstrating their giftedness by engaging in the ministries which their gifts entail. In other words, if Start Baptist Church ever wants to mature into the church that Jesus Christ wants her to be, that means we all got to get in the game, right, and play. We got to be active with our gifts. We, we, we can't sit on them, right? We can't sit in the stands and watch what's going on. We got to get in the game. You hear me say this all the time. God did not create spectators. He created participants. Listen to me. There ain't no plan B. God put the church in the communities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. And that's it. That's you and me. So the spiritual gifts that we have, we've got to actively participate. We've got to actively exercise those gifts. We have to engage ministries. Uh, John and I were talking just a few moments ago. Think about the ministry teams of our church, right? We got all these teams. We got building grounds, budget and finance. We got nominating. You got you got this team and that team. Children's ministry, student ministry. You got all these teams, right? But here's what I believe: all of these teams are filled with people who have spiritual gifts, and these teams, they ought to know what their spiritual gifts are, and they ought to look at each other and say, hey, uh, as a team, we are to be serving our church. You ought to focus on the gifts of service. There are some teams, right, that when you look at that team, what does that team do? Well, they administer. Well, let's just use some common sense. What do you think that team's primary gift is? The gift of administration. Leadership, right? You know what's crazy? Because I've been a member of church for a long, long time. Some of you help me. How often have we talked about spiritual gifts? How often have we prayed about spiritual gifts? Ministry teams, leaders of ministry teams, how often have you sat down and started the meeting saying, hey, what's our primary purpose? What, what's our real purpose? Is it just to tell this person what to do? Or is it just to fix this door? Or is it just... Think, think with me for just a moment, right? What we do is we take the main thing and push it to the side and we focus on things that aren't the main thing. And then we wonder why. We fuss and fight and complain and argue all the time. It's because we are not exercising our spiritual gifts as individuals and as teams, as leaders. 
as lay people. We're just not exercising. We're not actively participating with our spiritual gifting in focus. We forget who we are. We forget why we are. Right? And listen, when you forget who you are and why you are, I can tell you this, your spiritual gift ain't going to be nowhere on the radar. Nowhere. When you stop remembering that you belong to God and that you are God's ambassador, why even talk about a spiritual gift? Right? Why, Why talk about it? If you don't know that you're God's ambassador and that you are to bring Him glory and that you are to serve others, you just forget spiritual gifting. Just forget it. This is important. This stuff matters. So I want you to pray. Some of you have told me already, Brother Jeff, I've been praying about this spiritual gifting thing, and, you know, this is incredible what God's showing me. Thank you for those conversations. Some of you text me, and you've said, Hey, Brother Jeff, I read this passage, and I'm praying about this because I can see this. Praise God, because here's the thing. I can't tell you what your spiritual gift is, right? I might make an assumption based on the fruit that I'm seeing, but that's, that's not for me to do. The Holy Spirit of God will tell you what your gift is. The Holy Spirit of God will manifest. Didn't we read that word, the manifestation of the Spirit? That means the fleshing out. That, that means the tangible evidence. Right? The Holy Spirit of God will tell you what your gift is, and the Holy Spirit of God will show you how to use it, and the Holy Spirit of God will power it. Don't, don't worry. Don't say, oh, well, God gave me the gift of giving, but I don't really know how to... Hey, if God gave you the gift of giving and you know it, the Spirit of God's going to empower you to use it. Why would you worry about it? Man, I can fumble some words. I can mess some words up, okay? I can, I can say things that are crazy. At one time, I remember, I think Brother Andy and them in the sound booth sometimes were writing things down, but I said, like I would say something and they'd say, hey, did you know you said this? And I'd be like, no, man, I speak like 95 miles an hour. And so, but I'm very capable, right? What was that, Andy? Are you back there? What was that that time I did about the uh, the doll bone of a junkie? <laughs> I said that one time. The doll bone of a junkie. What I meant to say was the jawbone of a donkey. Like, I can mess it up, right? And so there are times when I'm going, okay, God, you've given me this gift of preaching, but what can I do what can I do to make it better? What can I do to sharpen it? God, what can I do? Here's the thing. If God gave you the gift, He'll give you the power to use it. Will He give you the opportunities to work on it? Sure He will. Will He give you new experiences and more experiences? Sure He will. But at the end of the day, that's the difference between a natural ability and a supernatural ability. Right? The natural ability is about me, my will, and my power to do it. The spiritual gift, the supernatural is about Him. It's about what He does to me and through me. So why would I worry about that? Why would I let that like cause confusion and doubt in me? God, you got this. You got me. You're going to help me. I know you are. You're going to give me you're going to give me what I need to say that. You're going to give me what I need to do that. And so I'm so thankful that we can read, right? We can read God's Word and we can learn more about something that's very important. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the speaking gifts. Obviously, when I talk about the speaking gifts, it's going to be natural for us to talk about preachers, pastors, teachers. I I get that. I get that. 
But again, the speaking gifts, it's kind of like the serving gifts. You don't have to have a title to be given a gift of speaking. You, you don't have to have brother or sister or pastor or Sunday school teacher in front of your name to be given the gift of speaking. And I'm going to go over that next week. So I encourage you to come back and, uh, and learn more about these gifts. So...